This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And we're going to continue this morning to talk about the church. And as I said last week, I'm going to ask you to do this again this week. I'm going to ask you to take everything that you've heard and learned about the church and throw it away. Set it aside. Things that have collected up over the years. Thoughts, ideas, traditions, philosophies. Because we're going to do everything we can to center and focus on Scripture this morning. We're going to go to the maker of the church, the creator of the church, the sustainer of the church, to find out what the church is supposed to be, how the church is supposed to operate, and what is the mission of the church. Now, last week, we looked at how a church becomes the church, how a, how a local church reflects and becomes the church the way Christ intended it to be. We looked at Matthew and we saw Jesus proclaiming the concept of the church being a called out assembly based upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the, the great rock upon which we are built. Peter, like the rest of us, are just little stones that make up the, the building, the edifice of the church. The reality is you and I are the church and our job, our role is to bring glory and honor to God as we go out with the good news of redemption and salvation in heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. So we're going to continue these next few weeks looking at the church. And so what I want you to know is if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, despite whether you've joined West Concord Baptist Church or not, you are a church member. You may or may not be a member of this body specifically. You, you need to be. If you're not, we'd love you to be. But if not, you're a member of the body of Christ. And oftentimes people struggle with becoming a church member at different places because after all, churches are, we saw last week, they're made up of people. And people are difficult. You know, the Bible talks about God's people as his flock of sheep. Have you ever been around sheep? I want to know what sheep were like one time. So I, I remember seeing sheep and I remember asking somebody, what are they like? And I remember the first word out of the man's mouth was, they're stupid. I thought that's complimentary. Thank you, Lord. And he says, and they stink. And so wh why again does God call us sheep? Notice God didn't call us a flock of eagles. God didn't call us a flock of sharp, sharks. He didn't call us a flock of lions and tigers. No, no, we're sheep. We're sheep. And the idea that we're not altogether bright sometimes and we often sometimes reek a little bit kind of gives us a little bit of a pause. But at the same time, the fact that God loved us and not only are we called sheep, but we're also called a pearl of great price. Such a great price that he would give his life. He would spend his life on the behalf of us who are sheep and call us unto himself. And we have become the church. Again, the church is not this edifice that we're sitting in. The church is you. If you want to know what the church looks like, look in a mirror. You are the church. But people struggle oftentimes looking for the church that they want to be a member of. And so they're looking for the perfect church. And so I'm, I'm happy to welcome you this morning to the perfect church. Welcome. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Well, here's the truth. This is not the perfect church. You're saying, where is that? Well, you're, if you're looking for the perfect church, you're going to be like that proverbial lady sitting on a park bench waiting for the perfect man to come by. 
Okay, if you're waiting for the perfect church, it's like waiting for the perfect man or the perfect woman. It ain't happening. Okay, it's not happening. Don't look for it. And let me, just in case you might hold some sort of illusion, this is not it. Okay, for one thing, this is not a perfect pastor. For another thing, you're not a perfect congregation. Why? Because we're people. We're humans. And as humans, we're not real bright and we reek sometimes. We make mistakes. We are sheep. So in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what the real church is. We've already seen what Christ expects of the church. We are to take his message. We are to go out and target those who are lost. We are to storm the gates of hell, the philosophies, the values, the misguided notions, the lost ideas of a fallen and broken world. We're to go out there and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with our lips and with our lives. That is the function. That is the role. That is the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. We are his church. But this morning, we're going to look at the fact that we are also his body. We are the body of Christ. Because just uh, 40 days after Jesus was crucified and raised, he ascended bodily into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, in the eyes of his disciples, he gave them their marching orders. We call that the Great Commission. Summed up in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. By the way, that's what the church is supposed to be doing. The church is not a political entity. The church is not a social justice entity. The church is a body of Christ put in this world for the purpose of reflecting and communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. Everything else that we might do is peripheral. We are here and we exist to be the body of Christ. The physical body of Christ is left. It's in heaven. One day Jesus is coming back bodily. But understand this, you and I are his hands, his feet, his ears, his eyes, and his mouth. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But you are, and I am, the body of Jesus Christ. Tom Rayner, who has at one time worked in, in the Sunday school board, as we used to call it, Lifeway, in the Southern Baptist Convention, he has written a wonderful book called I Am a Church Member. Much of this sermon series is based on portions of that book. As we, but the main part of it is scripture, of course, but we're going to be quoting a lot from his book. And this is what he says about being the body of Christ and, and churches, you know, we aren't perfect and there is no perfect church. As a matter of fact, churches struggle even more today, it seems, than they have. And this is what he says about that. He says, I am suggesting that congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Now he's very bold in what he says. He's talking about the weakness of the church in America. And I would say, yes, the church in America is struggling for many reasons. One of the reasons we've been hit by COVID. We're trying to come up from that. But even before COVID was a thing, even before 2020, the church of Jesus Christ in America was struggling and floundering because we have forgotten who we are. And we've tried to do other things. We've tried to make the world a better place. We've tried, and that's not a bad thing, don't get me wrong. But we focused on issues that we probably should have put in the periphery. And we've tried to, in order to get along, we've tried to get along and therefore we've watered down the message. And also we've taken church and we've, cre and we've treated corporate worship and corporate involvement 
specifically the Sunday morning worship appointment and the marching orders we get from the word on Sunday morning, we treat that more like a, like a sideline than it should be our main thing. See, understand this, Christians, you are the body of Christ. Your place on Sunday morning is to be gathered in his name in this place or other Bible-believing teaching churches. Sunday is not an option. There is no ball game that's too important that you shouldn't be in church worshiping Almighty God. And if you go on vacation, bless God, find a church or worshiping gathered believers there to spend time with on vacation. You and I are to be the church all the time. And the problem is we've forgotten that. We've turned the church of Jesus Christ into a religious club or a religious museum. We become the Christian country club where we pay our dues and we expect our pastors to perform and our youth pastor and our senior adult pastor and our deacons to check on us and everybody to take care of us. And this is how I want church and this is the music I like and this is where I want to. And we've made it into all about us and not about Christ. And so we are the body of Christ, however. We are his representatives on this earth, filled and inhabited with God's spirit, purposed with the task of going out and taking the gospel. And so as we open the word this morning, we're going to look at the church as the body of Christ and how the church should function. How the church should function. So this morning, as we look at that, we're going to ask ourselves, or we're going to actually see how we should be a functioning church member. If you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ generally, and if you're a member of West Concord Baptist Church specifically, and you are not involved in a functional area of ministry, you need to listen up and make a change. And by the way, let me say this. For years here at West Concord, we've had the inactive church roster, inactive members. And again, after reviewing the information leading up to this passage, I'm about to believe there is no such thing as there should not be any such thing as an inactive church member. You're either involved or you're not. And if you're not, why do we keep you on the roll? Maybe because of physical infirmity, maybe because of college. I understand that business. But listen, if you're a church member, if you're a member of the body of Christ and bless God, you had better be functioning somewhere, somehow. There's no more time for anybody to sit back. There never has been, by the way. But even now, with all that's going on in our world, we haven't got time for people to sit back on the back pew, fold their arms and criticize everybody else doing everything else. It is time that we as the body of Christ function as the body of Christ. So we're going to open the scriptures. If you have your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, the Corinthian church was a very interesting church. The church at Corinth. This city was the Las Vegas of its day. As a matter of fact, today, one of the nicknames for Las Vegas is Sin City. You know, everything that goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas and uh, that kind of thing. Well, in Paul's day, Corinth was that city. Corinth was the city where everything and anything could happen. And it was a mess. And Paul and his companions took the gospel, shared Christ. They got people saved there and they began a church. They began a local assembly of called out believers. And because the gospel is the word of God, that church began to thrive. It began to grow. People were getting saved. But what was the problem was that the culture continued to bleed into the church. And the church was a mess. Okay, there was all kinds of junk still going on in the church. There were reports of incest. 
uh, sexual immorality. Uh, there were reports of little factions and little groups. There were little political issues going on. There were racial issues going on. In the, all kinds of junk going on in the church. It was a mess, which necessitated God to lead Paul to write 1st and 2nd Corinthians so that he might properly instruct the church on how it should conduct itself, on what it should, how it should see itself. And so we today have that as well. Now, I'm not saying West Concord is a mess, but again, we are not the perfect church. And I want you, by the way, to forget about every other church in Cabarrus County. I want you to forget about the church down the street from us. I want you to forget about the big church on TV that grandma watches every Sunday morning. I want you to forget about that. For the sake of our discussion, you are the church of Jesus Christ as, as well as I am. So we're going to talk about the body of Christ because we are technically his hands and feet and we are members of his body. Those of you who've been through the new members class, this is going to be a little review. But when you think of church membership, you're not a member of a club. You don't get a green jacket, a decoder ring and a secret password. Okay, I'm a church member. Here's all my all my pluses. Here's all my, all my entitlements. Entitlement and church are two words that should not go together. Okay. Church is not a club. I'm a pastor of a church. I'm not a club president. Okay. I'm a pastor of a church. And so therefore you are the church. I am part of the church and we are the body of Christ. And as a body, when we think of membership, don't think of my place in the club think of the fact that you as a member are actually a body part. See, that's what we talk about when we talk about church membership. That's what we're going to see this morning. I want you to get this in your mind. You know, if you're watching the news and you see a tragic car accident or, or something like that, somebody becomes dismembered. Okay, they might lose a hand or a, an arm or a leg. They become dismembered. They lose one of the members of their body. We talk about body parts, extremities as being members that's what Paul is talking about. That's what the New Testament is talking about when it talks about church membership. You are literally, and I am literally, a body part in the body of Christ. And listen, if part of your body ceases to function properly, you've got some issues. You've got some problems. You know, you can't do things. I remember years ago, just before Andy was born, I was in an accident, broke my right hand. That's my writing hand. I couldn't write with this hand. I couldn't button my shirt hardly. I couldn't tie a tie back in the day when we wore those. I had a hard time with things. My son is here today. He, he broke his leg. It's not been easy for him the last several weeks. We have another young gentleman in the church has got messed up knee. It's not been easy because these body parts aren't functioning properly. My eyesight doesn't work right. We were looking at this earlier, I think it was Jeff Varney's Bible. His Bible print is so small that an ant could have a hard time reading it, okay? <laughs> and I said, that's why I use an iPad. I'm not trying to be hip and techy. It just makes the print bigger for this blind preacher. My, part of my body doesn't work properly. Ever since cancer treatment, I'm still struggling with some things. See, you got to understand when your body doesn't function right, even, a, even an insignificant part of your body the entire body suffers. So keep that in mind. You're not a member of a club with a jacket, a ring, and perks. You're a part of Jesus' body on this earth. So let's look at the form of the body of Christ because Paul was trying to get the Corinthian people to see this so that they might function correctly. So we're going to go to chapter 12 and we're going to jump down to verse 12 in uh, chapter 12. And as we do that, 
It says this, Paul's saying, for as the body is one, as the body is one and has many members and think body parts, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. It's not meaning to be a tongue twister. He's saying basically we are a body made up of many parts. He says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized or placed into one body whether Jews or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not many member, is not one member rather, but many. So the form of the body of Christ is much like the form of your own body. You have many body parts, okay? I forget if, if Jenna were close, I'd ask her how many bones, I'd put her on the spot. How many bones do we have? Two or 300 bones in the body. Just the hand alone is filled with all sorts of bones. You know, it's just all kinds of parts working together. We're, we're, a, we're a mixture of nerve endings and muscles and organs that must work from the smallest and insignificant to the brain that, and the heart that pumps our blood. We have eyes. We have hands with fingers and phalanges. We have feet with toes. We have joints. We have sinew, we have blood, we have red corpuscles, white corpuscles. We are made up of many parts. There's a tremendous diversity in the human body, yet we are one body. We are one body. So the body of Christ, first of all, is diverse, but is a unified diversity. Even in this group this morning, we have men and women, boys and girls. We have young and old and middle-aged. We have some who are affluent, some who are less so. We have different social persuasions, political persuasions. We have different ethnic backgrounds, although I, I, you know, as we have gone through the past, we've had Hispanic, we've had African-Americans. The church is made up of everyone and everything, and the church is diverse. We have different talents in the church. We have some people who are mechanically inclined, electrically inclined, some people who work with wood and can make things. We have some people who like to cook and create wonderful tasting dishes. We have some people who are college educated, high school educated, still in the first grade, still in elementary school. We have different hair color, eye color. We have different abilities and gifts from the spirit. We are a collection of diverse and unique people. Yet the thing about it is we are unified into one body and that body is the body of Jesus Christ. And what unifies us is our faith in Christ and also our mission in Christ. And that is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not only that, but we are also a divert, we're a unified diversity, but we're a diverse unity. Earlier in this passage, Paul told the Corinthian people about the various spiritual gifts and giftedness that God had provided the called out church. And all of us, if you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your savior, listen to me, you have spiritual gifts or a gift. You have certain talents and abilities that, that not only do you possess naturally, but also that God has given you spiritually. And God means for us to use those things for his purpose. In other words, there are things that I can do that you cannot do. Conversely, there are things that you can do that I cannot do. And in the church, we have people who are gifted teachers, people who are gifted musicians, people who are gifted at taking care of the physical plant, people who are gifted at, at compassion, going to others and giving. We have so many gifts. And as we go through this, we're going to talk about those in a few weeks. But we are, like your body, a collection of diverse material, 
but yet we function as one. We function as one. And when any part of our body suffers, it causes lag and difficulty in the rest of the body. Just as my son, Andy, who has broken his leg just when I broke my hand, just as some of you have trouble hearing, trouble seeing, some of you suffer with other things. We got all kinds of people dealing with stuff. And here's a little secret. When you get older, it gets worse. By the way, when you get older, all those little body parts remind you that they're there and that they're tired, okay? So we all, when, when one of those body parts malfunctions, it can cause your whole body to suffer. Or imagine this, if, you're, if you get up one morning and you get out of your bed and your left leg decides, I'm not into this today. You know, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to school. And your left leg just decides it doesn't want to work today. And so you have to drag that rascal around with you everywhere you go. I know Andy's experiencing that now with his right leg. Let me tell you something. It'll ruin your whole day. Now, his leg is broken. But imagine if your leg just said, I don't want to do anything. That goes on in the church. Sometimes Christian people are broken and struggling because of sin, because of struggle, because of trouble. But there are times, too, when church members, members of the body of Jesus Christ, just decide they ain't going to do it anymore. They're going to go play ball. They're going to go to the beach. They're going to just sit in the church and stare. And what happens is the church becomes looking like this. And they're dragging. And see, the most important part of our body is the head, and that head is Jesus. And that's where all of our body gets its orders from is the head. And then the head tells that leg, you need to step. You need to take a step. And the leg says, no. You can imagine that in your body. Imagine that in the body of Christ. So here's the thing. If you're, if you're a believer, you are a member of the body of Christ. And as a member of the body of Christ, you must be a functioning member of the body of Christ. There's no room for inactive members. There's no such thing as an inactive member. All an inactive member is, is a drag on the body of Christ. And that's what it is. So that is the form of the body. Well, let's look at the fitting of the body. How does all this come together? Well, go down to verse 20 with me. We can't look at the entire chapter because of sake of time. You can read it on your own as you get out there. But in verse 20, it says, uh, as, he, as he relates the different parts of the body, and Paul, in the earlier verses between what we're going to look at and what we have looked at, talks about how the eye, for instance, saying, well, I am more important because I'm the eye than the big toe. Or the mouth saying, well, no, I'm more important than, than the pancreas. Now, Paul didn't use these exact examples. But, you know, there are certain parts of the body that are flashy and showy. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people come up to a pretty young lady and say, boy, you have pretty eyes. I have never heard anybody go up to somebody and say, you know what, your, your pinky finger is gorgeous. That's got to be the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. You know, there are certain parts. You you have the nicest earlobes that I've ever seen. I've never heard anybody say that. You know, that's some that's some liver you have there. Okay, there are certain parts of the body that don't get the attention. The eyes, the smile, the hair. Okay, everybody likes to comment on that. And so therefore, in the church, there are some people who are working who will never get noticed or recognized. But there are others who will. It's just the way it is. And that doesn't mean God doesn't see. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it says God is not quick to forget the labor of love which we have done and will do for him. And Paul, therefore, is saying that all members of the body are important. Look at verse 20. He says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. 
And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So as the body is fit together, as we see the fitting of the body, each body part, while not necessarily outwardly functional or outwardly attractive, is necessarily important to the working of the whole body. We are, in fact, as a physical body, the creation of God. Every part of our body has a purpose and a reason. And if one part of that body does not work properly, the whole body suffers. It may not be the pretty eyes or the beautiful smile or the lustrous hair. It may be something that no one ever sees or hears about, but all of a sudden it malfunctions and you're in trouble. Every part of the body is equally important. Every member of the church of Jesus Christ is of equal importance and import. We all have been given the mission call. We all have been given a purpose. We are created, as we saw in our Sunday school lesson this morning, in the wonderful image of Almighty God. And as we are created in that image, that image then becomes fulfilled as we yield to Christ, trust him as our savior and walk with him. We then begin to literally and truthfully as best as humanly possible, fulfill that image. And in fact, if you are not as a believer and, and as a member of Christ's church, living for him, focusing on him, then you have a spiritual pathology. We are equally important and understand this, we are equally impactful. We are equally impactful. Every member of the body has an equal impact, an equal opportunity to reach the world for Christ. You know, when we think of great evangelists, oh, we think of Billy Graham and we think of D.L. Moody and we think of the Apostle Paul. But you know what? Who were equally impactful and equally important were the people that led them to Christ. I think of D.L. Moody especially. He's one of my heroes as I read history. D.L. Moody was a phenomenal pastor and preacher and teacher. And he led Christian crusades all through Europe and the United States. Literally tens of thousands came to know Christ through D.L. Moody. And you know what? D.L. Moody was just a young man selling shoes in some back room until his Sunday school teacher, a man by the name of Mr. Kimball, came to share the gospel with him. Moody was going to this church. He was just a young guy, just a young uh, man, barely out of his teens. And he was coming to this church and, and his Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, wasn't sure whether Moody knew Christ. And so he went to his shoe store and Moody was in the back stocking shelves. And Moody was a, kind of a shy person, I, I read. And as Mr. Kimball went, he sat down with him and he shared the gospel. He took time with him. And then and there, Moody came to know Jesus Christ as her, his personal savior through the working of this Sunday school teacher. His Sunday, listen, Sunday school teachers, you are vitally impactful. Children's church workers, you are vitally impactful. Parents, you are vitally impactful. And talking with Aaron and other youth pastors and other children's directors and leaders, and you know what's amazing? People say, oh, it must be work tough working with kids. It must be tough working with teenagers and students. No, they're not bad. It's their parents that are difficult. <laughs> and I don't say that lightly. Because I've been a youth pastor. I've worked with children. I've been a youth pastor before I took this position. And what's more, most frustrating is we pour ourselves into bringing these kids to Christ, helping them draw near to Christ. And then when they go home, their parents undo everything we've tried to do. And let, let me say this, that's mainly the 
Christian parents who are doing that. Let me tell you something. That Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball, you never heard of him up until now. Maybe you've heard of him when I've talked about him before. You've been here a while. But all everybody hears about D.L. Moody. Who led Billy Graham to Jesus? Do you even know? Here's your assignment. Look it up. Here's the thing. You may not be Billy Graham. You may not be Deborah the judge in the Old Testament. You may not be Mary Magdalene. You may not be the Apostle Paul. But you may well be the person that brings them to Christ. You who are in the Sunday school teacher, you who sing in the, in the, in the praise team. Every body part is equally important. The fitting of the body of Christ are different members, but the eye is not more important than the hand. The hand is not more important than the foot. Even those smaller members that no one ever sees and hears about. You may not have, have, know that you have a certain part of your body until it hurts and you have to go to the doctor. But without that part of the body, you would die. So that is the fitting of the body of Christ, different and various, but all equally important and equally impactful. So what about the function of the body of Christ? No, let's go down to verse 27. Again, I want you to read the entire chapter 12 on your own in your devotions. We don't have time to cover all of these verses, but let's go down uh, to verse 27 as we talk about how the body should function. And think about your own body. Again, you're happy when all of your body works the way it's supposed to. But when your body fails, maybe a certain thing fails, then it throws everything off. Well, the body is supposed to function. That's the idea. Look what he says in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ. When he's talking about you, he's talking about every believer. You are the body of Christ and members individually. Get, get the whole concept of club membership out of your mind. I'm a member of the church. The music should be my way. I'm the member of the church, so I should be able to do this. I'm a member of this church, so I, I'm a member of this church. Baloney! Get rid of it. You're a body part, just like me. Nothing in this church belongs to me. And listen, nothing in this church belongs to you either. Oh, that's my Sunday school room. No, that's God's Sunday school room. He's just lenting it to you. This is my chair. Don't anybody sit in my chair. I have been to churches where they have plaques on chairs for people. And that was when I was young. If I were as cocky as when I was young as I am, I would go pry the plaques off. Idiotic nonsense. This is not your church. It is not my church. I don't care how long you've been here. This is the church of Jesus Christ. How does it supposed to function? You're the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church first apostles. These were, they're, they're no longer apostles today. Apostles were a small group of men that Christ called and, and sent out with a personal commission. We know the, uh, the requirements of the apostle, the job description of the apostle, the description of one, an apostle. The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostole, which means sent with a commission. And in order to be an apostle, you had to witness the life of Christ. You had to hear the gospel from his lips to your ears and the commission from him personally. None of us can fit that bill. There were only a handful of apostles and they're mentioned in scripture. He said, and so at that time, there were apostles, second prophets. What is a prophet? Oh, I can tell you what you're having for lunch tomorrow. No, that's not what a prophet does. A prophet is not just about telling the future. A prophet is one who brings the message from God to a people. 
And uh, there are people who prophesy today. I'm not saying they just, oh, the Lord has told me that, that uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl. Well, that's a false prophet. But, uh, oh, I didn't get much of a reaction from that. I should have said, I should have said Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, no, it's just simply you bring the message of God to not just to God's people, but a prophet brings the message of God to the unsaved as well. And there are people who are gifted with the gift of prophecy. They're not going to tell you what tomorrow holds, but they'll tell you what holds God holds today. Gifts of prophets. Third, teachers. Man, we need teachers, God's people. And after that, miracles and gifts, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Many of these gifts, again, have passed. You know, miracles were given only to affirm the message and the messenger of God. There are large swaths of time in the Old Testament and New Testament when no miracles were done because there was no necessity. God's message was already affirmed. God does miracles, don't get me wrong, but we're not going to raise dead people here at West Concord. We cannot physically heal people by just touching them. I know you've seen such and such on TV and so forth and so on. That's not biblical. I'm sorry. God heals in his way, but human beings with that new gift of miraculous touch, that, that is done. That is gone. I'm not saying God can't do it, but I'm saying that miracles are given for a specific reason. And, and there were large swaths of history where no miracles were done because God, and matter of fact, gifts of healings, for instance, let's do that one specifically. Oh, I saw brother so-and-so. I saw sister so-and-so on TV. Here's the thing. If they had the biblical gift of healings, they would go into Northeast Medical Center and empty it out. Amen. Even Paul. Paul, at one point in his ministry, could touch and heal. But then as the gospel was going out, the church was maturing. Those miracles were beginning to recede. Paul left Trophimus in uh, Miletus, rather, sick. Paul told Timothy, listen, you got some stomach problems. Get here and I'm going to heal you. you no, know, he said, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. Paul himself had a thorn in the flesh. And he prayed to God three times that he would heal it. And each time God said, nope, my grace is enough for you. The gift of tongues was given in the, in, in later in the book of 1 Corinthians. Tongues was the ability, according to scripture, to go into a foreign country and speak their language without having been trained. I think of Eric and Trisha Mullis, who were our, our missionaries to Thailand. They had to go through a year and a half of language training to be able to speak Thai. Very difficult language. Had Eric and Tricia had the spiritual gift of tongues, they could go to the, the nation of Thailand and without any training, just miraculously share the gospel in Thai. And so therefore, that is not in existence these days. Can it happen? Maybe it can, but I haven't heard anything of it. So some of these gifts were, were endemic to their time. They were part of that time, but now they have moved on. But God still can do miracles. God still does things. And he has still gifted people and, and given people gifts in the body of Christ. So God has given us, as the body functions, gifted people to serve. And understand this, as I said earlier, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then God has given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a gift or many gifts, and he wants you to serve in that. At the end of the month, we're having ministry fair. We're going to go ahead and put out another kind of gift inventory for you to look at. It's, it's not perfect. It's not divine, but it's a good way to kind of look and say, where has God gifted? Maybe you've never thought about that before. But God has gifted some with the ability to be a good teacher, uh, leader, administrator, somebody who would preach, somebody who would be compassionate and service gifts, all these kinds of gifts. In other words, God just doesn't stick you in there and say, hey, you're on your own. No, God empowers you and enables you to serve. And if you're a believer, you've been empowered and you've been enabled, but you need to yield unto God so that you might develop that and, and move into it. 
So God, to function the body, this diverse body, he's made it diverse because we have diverse talents and we have diverse gifts. And he's gifted us a purpose. There is a reason. And he goes on to say in verse 29, are, he says, and, and again, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? You know, not everybody has these same gifts. And listen, not everybody has the big flashy gifts either. He goes on to say, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Here's the key. Not all of us are going to be able to get up and preach a sermon or teach a Sunday school class or sing in the choir. We need people in the background serving too, and they're just as important and just as impactful. Somebody who works in the sidelines can lead people to Christ just as easily as I can and probably more effectively than I can. We all have an important Role. We all are important and impactful part of the body. In order for the body to function, he's given us gifts, but he's also gifted us a purpose. And that purpose is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But as you seek those gifts, look at this little, little sideline, because he's given us a purpose and that purpose requires something. Look at verse 31. He says, are all, we all have different gifts, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And in the following chapter, he talks about the best gifts. And you can read this on your devotional time. The best gifts being the gift of love. And when I talk about love, the Bible talks about love. It's not talking about a drippy emotional feeling. It's talking about a motivated action to put others first. That's what Jesus did. Love nailed Jesus to the cross. His love for you is love for me. And he suffered and sacrificed in order that we might be saved. Sacrifice is a word that is lost on the American church today. You know what we've replaced the word sacrifice with? We've replaced it with convenience. We do church if it's convenient. We're part of a, a, a community in the church that works if it's convenient. I'll teach that Sunday school class if it's convenient. I'll sing in the praise band and work with them if it's convenient. I'll go out and visit if it's convenient. I'll even come to church if it's convenient. Convenience does not have any business within the body of Jesus Christ. The cross was not convenient for Jesus. Christianity is about sacrifice. It's about putting yourself on the altar. It's a, it's, it saddens me every year when we have to beg people to work in children's ministry in Sunday school. We got to beg people to come and be a part of X ministry or Y ministry. Bless God as the church of Jesus Christ, myself or any of the other pastors or deacon, I should never have to beg any of God's people to do anything. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been gifted, you've been uh, uh, given talents, bless God, you better stand up and serve. And yes, it's going to be inconvenient. Yes, it's going to be difficult. We'll rest when we get to heaven one day. Not only do you need to serve here, but you need to be serving Christ in your family moms and dads, you need to make your life's goal as you raise your children to bring them to Jesus Christ. You need to make your goal as parents to make sure that no matter what career choice your children make, they, they're going to serve Christ in that career. As they choose a spouse, they're going to choose a young man or a young woman that loves Jesus more than them. And young people, as you choose to branch out in life, whatever career you choose to do, doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, whatever it is you're going to do, you better do it to the glory of Almighty God. Not everybody's fit for the vocational ministry. 
Not everybody should go into that. We need Christian doctors. We need Christian lawyers. We need Christian car salesmen. We need Christian bakers. We need Christian uh, this and that, you name it. But he says, seek the gift of love because that is what will motivate you and I to do those things. In chapter 13, chapter 13 is the chapter on godly love. And then later in chapter 14, he adds faith and hope to that list of the greatest gifts. The gift of love. The gift of hope. Hope is confident anticipation. You know heaven's coming and you're so excited about it that you want to bring everybody with you that you can. And faith, that trusting in God when everything else fails. That's the function of a church and that is the function of a church member. So the body of Christ, that's you and me, the form of the body of Christ, we're, we're diverse, but we're unified. And we're unified as a diversity with one body and many members. We're fit together as different body parts are fit together. All equally important and all equally impactful. And as a body, we function as gifted people, gifted for that purpose. And we have a gifted purpose, and that purpose is to go out and preach the gospel and glorify Christ. So let me leave you with a couple of things here. Again, back to Tom Rainer. He says this about the function of the body of Christ. He says, so if we approach church membership from the perspective of entitlement, I should get this because I'm a church member. We have it upside down. You always ask first what you can do for your church. You know, John F. Kennedy, the president, who was president when I was born, he has a famous speech. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That speech has been thrown in the ash can with other great speeches in this country. Because now in our society, it's what can the country do for me? Get my entitlement, get my thing. And it's bled into the church. So the idea here is not ask, what can the church do for me? That's why we trade members back and forth because, hey, this church isn't doing it for me. So I'm going to go to this church and do it, have it do it for me. Listen, you don't ask what the church is to do for you. You ask what you do for the church to the glory of God. At the end of every chapter in his book, Rainer has a pledge that the church members should consider. So I'm going to leave you with the pledge from this chapter this morning as we consider the body of Christ as scripture has laid it out. And it says this, and it's also in your bulletin this morning. Don't forget to take that home. And by the way, if you're interested in this book, you can get one in the lobby and, and see Deborah Rostorn. But it says this, it says, I like the metaphor of membership, not club membership, but bodily membership. It's not membership as in a civic organization or a country club. It is the kind of membership given to us in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And that's in verse 27. And here it is. Here's what you and I should consider. Because I am a member of the body of Christ, I must be a functioning member. Whether I am an eye or an ear or a hand, as a functioning member, I will give, I will serve, I will minister, I will evangelize, I will study, I will seek to be a blessing to others. I will remember that if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. 
If one member is honored, then all members rejoice with it. Is that the kind of church member you are? Seems to me that's the kind of church member that we should strive to be. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.